110 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan on the football field. We don't want to coach average. We do want to win because winning is the epitome of team effort. Every coach who ever put a whistle around their neck strives to be the head coach at The Ohio State University. Welcome back, everybody, to Buckeye Bar. Guys, here on Buckeye Bar Talk, I'm Mike. And I'm John. Tonight's date is uh, Monday, December 5th, 2022. Um, and we're going to discuss tonight. We got... Uh, a lot of uh, stuff, a lot, a lot of stuff, a lot, to a lot of about. different things to go through. We're going to go through some of the coaching stuff from around the country, um, including here at Ohio State as uh, we have a coach leaving. Um, we're going to go through the craziness that is called the transfer portal as uh, six million people enter the portal today. It felt like uh, half the world's population. <laughs> and uh, then we will uh, get into some uh, Ohio State news, uh, you know, We'll talk about JSN. I'm sure a lot of people have heard by now about that. And, uh, you know, we'll talk the playoffs as uh, Ohio State uh, with uh, the help that they needed this weekend, uh, you know, USC losing on Friday. And then, you know, obviously uh, TCU also lost, but uh, seems like that was not any really help. It was the USC loss that pushed the Ohio State mm. through. So Ohio State is fourth and we will be playing Georgia. And the semifinals with Michigan playing TCU. So we will talk about that uh, um, in the second half of the show. We'll get into the playoff stuff. Um, first off, so we'll talk, you know, coaching. Uh, before we get to Ohio State, um, a lot of crazy, or, you know, a lot of movement so far around the country. Uh, Big Ten, in my opinion, has gotten better. Uh, Luke Fickle at Wisconsin, uh, Matt Rule at Nebraska. So the West is, uh, that definitely helps out the West get some pretty solid coaches over there. Yeah. You still have Brett at Illinois. You got to figure that he will only continue to, uh, improve over there. Um, so, you know, pretty good start for them over there. It might be to the point, you know, you got to think with, uh, you know, if rule can get to where, you know, he was at with Baylor, you know, he should be able to tech recruit Texas. You know, when the California schools in, I can imagine that he should be able to recruit a little bit in Southern California and, you know, he should be able to pull in some guys from the Midwest too. So, you know, he could be in a very big position to where, you know, Nebraska could be a, a very interesting team to possibly win a big 10 here in a few years. And same thing with Luke at Wisconsin. I mean, Wisconsin's been in this game how many times and it's like now they, you know, it seems like they really got a coach that uh, knows how to win. You know, he's been to a playoff. Uh, he's got a great pedigree behind him. I mean, learned under two great coaches at Ohio state mm -hmm. between Trestle and uh, urban. So I, I, he gets the right type of players that he wants at Wisconsin. I mean, he really could win the big, I mean, he could really actually put Wisconsin over the top and actually, you know, win a big 10 and, you know, and I, with the 12, team playoff coming i could see wisconsin making some playoffs over the next few years and stuff well i think they're right there that's the key i mean now's the time you know of course this does not apply to luke fickle because luke is a you know a good man good culture behind him but these teams started seeing this last year when all this was you know the writing was on the wall like it doesn't matter if you got a poach from a big program it doesn't matter if the guy has some baggage with him or not if, if you need a coach to make your team successful, that's what you do right now. Cause 
that we're going to the 12 team playoff. I mean, Luke Fickle can absolutely get Wisconsin the best version of them. And I, there is no reason to believe that they couldn't be a playoff team for many, you know, for most years, Wisconsin could push a playoff. I mean, look how successful, you know, they were with Paul Christ, and there's definitely something missing with him. And I'm not saying Luke is the most complete coach, but let's call it what it is, man. He took Cincinnati to a playoff, <laughs> you know, he, he took a team that had no business being in the playoffs to the playoffs. And speaking of them, I know the Bearcat fans, they weren't happy that Luke left them with, you know, a couple games left or whatever, but he missed his opportunity last year. Like he wasn't going to let that happen again. They weren't going to make a playoff this year. So he had to strike when that, when it was hot. Yeah. Yeah. He was, I mean, and I get it. They're going to the, they're going to the big 12. They're going to a big conference, but you know, he was, you know, he was loyal to the playoff team last year. They were going to the playoff and screwed him out of Notre Dame. I mean, you know, they mm-hmm. got pressured they were going to wait and then they got scared. Ohio state was going to come in and grab Marcus. And, you know, they decided to make Marcus the head coach and, you know, the way Notre Dame finished the season, it seems like they probably made as of now, I would say they made a, right choice but i would say that luke is a better coach i mean and luke's and not so, luke's not a big 12 coach either like yeah there's fits so, in conferences also and that's just that's not him yeah i mean even though yeah you're exactly right i mean you just saw you know in the big 12 championship game i mean those are probably the two best defenses in the conference mm-hmm. and you know they're definitely up there you know with iowa state and maybe you know texas here and there but you know that that was a very hard hitting game on both sides. They both were scoring like, you know, you know, crazy. So, I mean, it's, you know, it is what it is in the big 12. Like, you know, I mean, yeah. your, your defenses are only expected to go so far. It seems like, uh, um, with those. So yeah, I think Wisconsin was a great fit for him. I mean, he, he's a Midwestern guy. I mean, he's, he's from Ohio. Yeah. I mean, you know, Wisconsin and Ohio, Ohio culture is not that much different. Uh, you know, he wants drink to beer play. and watch football, man. That's what we yeah. love. Yeah. yeah. So he's going to, you know, he's going to, you, you saw the type of football he likes to play at Cincinnati. He wants a hard defense. He wants an offense that's, you know, moves the ball can score, but you know, are physical and you know, he's going to get that at Wisconsin. Yeah. He's going to be able to find guys, you know, and he's going to be a threat for Ohio state and, and state school, you know, because he's going to be able to come down here to Ohio and he's going to be able to be like, you know, to that, three or four star kid, even a four star kid that Ohio state might really like, you know, and he's going to give them an opportunity, you know, to come up there and, uh, you know, go play for Wisconsin. You know, he could be very scary for Ohio state in the Midwest when it comes to running backs and for linemen, like in, you know, different guys on the defense, he's a defensive minded coach. So I think, uh, you know, I think that he could cause a lot of fits and probably the smartest thing he even did is especially if they can mesh, you know, their vision of what defense is, he keeps Jim Leonard as his defensive coordinator and, you know, he's beloved up there. And so, I mean, so far the fix winning right now. I mean, this is a, a good program. I never expected him at Wisconsin. So it was like when it happened, I was like a little blown off that, you know, wow. I mean, I was, I was never really thinking Wisconsin, but when you kind of think of it deep down, it's like, I think it's somewhere that he could really strike really hot mm-hmm. and be very competitive in the big Ten. Yeah. I mean, if he keeps their, you know, their culture of just mountains of linemen and running backs galore coming in. I mean, if, like you said, if his and Leonard's minds can mesh, I mean, that's the perfect guy to have 
if you're I know he's a defensive coach. So as long as their heads don't butt, I mean, that's a perfect guy to have, though. He relates well with them. Like, he's an alumni. You know, they love him there. But also, he knows defense. Like, Luke doesn't have to take time out of his day to make sure his defense is okay. Kind of like, where, you know, we've seen maybe with Ryan Day in the past. Like, Luke can own, he can focus on being the CEO because he has a guy that is probably the most, not maybe not the most, but one of the most trustworthy defensive coordinators in the country is working for him. Like that is just the, I mean, that's a gift walking in the door, you know, like that's a grand slam for him and he just got there. So as long as he can keep their running culture going, I'm sure he adds a little bit more to it. Luke's a smart guy. He runs a hell of a program. So yeah, it's going to be great for him. Matt rule. I mean, I'm a little curious to see how Matt rule does it in Nebraska. Um, can't be any worse. Think, it can't be worse than Scott Frost, right? It can only I get think, better. I think the biggest thing that I like about that is that, you know, Nebraska's kind of been hurting the last few years in recruiting Texas. And I, I know when they left the Big 12 and all that stuff that that became a little bit more of an uphill battle. But even, you know, Pelini was doing better in Texas than what they're doing now in Texas. And Texas is such a big high school football state. And I know you got Texas and A&M both in, you know, the SEC. So that helps the SEC a lot. You have, you know, the, you know, Tech and TCU and Baylor there that in the Big 12. So, you know, that keeps a lot of talent in the Big 12, but there's still a lot of talent there. And it's just, I think that his uh, ability in years past to be able to recruit Texas will probably help Nebraska in the long run that he can find some kids from down there. And, you know, and he's going to be the closest school to the Mountain West, to the West uh, USC, UCLA come in, unless they bring in other schools with that, that, you know, which you never know about that. Um, but, and, you know, so he should be able to get into Southern California because, you know, he's going to be able to go to kids be like, oh, USC, UCLA didn't want you. We'll come play at Nebraska and we're going to play them. And, you know, show them what's up. So that will help with the footprint. Um, and then Midwest, he'll be able to find big, strong linemen and running backs and all the different things. And he kind of runs up from what I remember at Baylor. He's uh, he's definitely not an Art Bryles coach. He's going to be much more on the Luke Fickle, uh, yeah. um, Jim Harbaugh side of things in life. So, like, I think, again, it fits the culture of the Midwest, if it's the culture of the big 10. And I think he could do some good things there with um So I, he's, I don't think, I mean, you know, Frost just lost kind of lost the room there. And yeah, he lost a lot of close games as we all know, but he lost all of them. And, you mm -hmm. know, this is, this is going to be different. You know, some of these close games, you know, Nebraska is going to start winning some of these games and they're going to be hard out for anybody because they're going to have a mindset. They're going to have a culture and, you know, they're going to be a tough team to beat. Yeah. Maybe Scott Frost could come to Ohio state, be like the quarterback coach or something there, get his feet back underneath him. Called a, he called a great offense down in, in Oregon. And he was a hell of a head coach at USCF. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that is the play caller I need. I don't know. I'm sure that <laughs> that would freak Buckeye fans out. Something fierce. If, uh, you know, he was brought in for, you know, there'll be an offensive coordinator. All I, all I know is I hope rule doesn't somehow flip Dylan Riola. I don't see any reason why he would, but his dad, I mean, he's a legacy to Nebraska. 
But I, if he didn't commit to, you know, Scott Frost, that was Nebraska's quarterback, I'm not sure he commits to Matt Rule. So I don't know if there's yeah. too much to worry about. I mean, I don't think Ryan don't Day think is anything. the man with quarterbacks. Yeah I, don't think, yeah, I don't think there's anything necessarily to worry about there unless, you know, if some Ohio State fans would get their wish and Ryan Day would be shown the door over the next two years. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah. you know, we won't hit that so much today. Uh, not yet. No. But, yeah. You know, obviously some stuff to talk about, you know, definitely keeping. We'll talk about that here in a little bit when we get to the playoffs. So, so. what other coaches? Right. So Herman, he went to what was it? FAU or FIU? Or? F- FAU, which that's where Lane was previously, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so so I, that's a good fit. I mean, it's good. He He's a great offensive mind, gets to Florida, can give himself kind of a second life in the coaching business. I think that's I think it's a good move for him. Didn't, yeah. you know, didn't uh, didn't get too deep and uh you know too big of a school or anything so um even though he was rumored to go there a lot uh, i was really surprised about uh auburn end- ending up with hugh freeze uh it just kind of seemed like the conference did not want him there he's and, a good coach uh, like a- he's a good coach uh there's i mean he definitely uh you know he did very well at liberty uh there was obviously some questionable stuff at old mess but you know what he was a Whatever happened there happened there. You think uh, Saban just hangs him up now? <laughs> it's like Saban's like, screw that guy. He beat me two years in a row at Ole Miss. Everything he did is legal now. <laughs> Forget it. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think uh, Nick will have a. Uh, oh my God. Are we going to talk about him looking like a friggin' wet puppy? Yeah. <laughs> Once we get into the playoff stuff, we'll talk about that. That was we'll, pathetic. We'll, um, but yeah, so that happened there. Um, you know, I, the big one was today. Uh, everybody was the Dion sweepstakes. Where was he going to end up going? He ended up Colorado. Still think you it's know. a weird fit. I it's do. a weird, it's a weird fit because, and you know, I, and I, this is not my idea. I forget who said it. It was some media guy, but you know, he said that, uh, you know, the Southeast, the Boulder, Colorado is not the Southeast of the United States and just didn't think Dion's going to be a good fit at all for there. But you know, and then he kind of came in and they taped it. His first talk to the team and basically said they could all get leave. the hell out. There's the door. Yeah. But as we'll talk here in a couple of minutes, he's going to have a lot of opportunities to bring in a lot of guys that might want to be, you know, a splash with Dion in the transfer portal. So, you know, that's, uh, so that's a possibility. I don't know. I, it's a big name. Let's see what he does. I don't know. You know, I don't, he might be starting off in the Pac 12, but he might end up in the, the Big 12 if the Pac 12, you know, implodes on top of you. If the Big 10 decides to go dra- grab a few more schools, you know, uh, Colorado and Utah and those two Arizona schools are kind of being eyed at by the Big 12 if the Big 10 comes in and crushes the north of the Pac 12. So, like, I mean, uh, I honestly, Dion's kind of like on the urban path right now. I mean, with, with the, pro football pedigree behind it but yeah i think Dion's only there for two years and then he's going somewhere that's more of a you know powerhouse blue blood maybe not blue blood but you know modern day college football factory so i yeah i don't think he's there long he'll get a big job yeah i could definitely see him and uh, if he does well in colorado i could definitely see him somewhere and the sec or the acc it kind of seems like mm-hmm. uh, a fit of where he'd want to go um so but you know, he's a big time, big name. So, I mean, I'm definitely interested in watching, you know, obviously the PAC 12 has 
god awful, you know, TV rights and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. if they're on big TV networks next year, I mean, I definitely will have a station dedicated to them a couple of times because I'd want to see what they look like. So, yeah. I mean, I guess that's out of anything that helps the situation there. And then the last coach I wanted to touch on, as, as we found out today, uh, coach, uh, um, Kevin Wilson, uh, the offense coordinator for Ohio state tight ends coach. Uh, he's taking the head coaching job at Tulsa. So congratulations for it to him. I figured he was going to find, uh, you know, kind of find his way back into a big, into a job somewhere. Are you shocked? Um, it's been six years for him. I mean, I guess, yeah. I guess he left Indiana with controversy. So I guess it does take a little bit longer to get back to being the head coach from there, but yeah. It, and we don't know how we don't know how necessarily how serious he maybe was looking. I mean, yeah, the Indiana, he ends up leaving a bad taste in his mouth. He leaves, you know, so maybe on that side of it, he doesn't have as many schools looking at him. So you might be kind of in the mindset. Well, I'm not going to a Mac school. I'm not going to a division one double a school and kind of build up my pedigree. Some I'm fine at Ohio state. They're paying me good money. You know, I get the, I'm not the head coach, so I don't have the stress of being the head coach, mm-hmm. you know, on my back. So I think there's probably a lot to it. Um, I also, the one thing I wanted to ask you on that was, uh, do you think that this was fully his decision or was, I mean, Ryan did they, I mean, I know like this has been like, it feels like a hundred years in one week right now, because we go from what happened against Michigan to making the playoffs. So, and you know, Ryan day said after the, the Michigan loss that there is going to be some big changes coming or changes. So like, was this kind of one of the changes that he kind of told that you think he told Wilson, like, you know, if you get an opportunity, you should just take it, uh, you know, cause I kind of want to change some stuff up on the offense and, you know, it'd be a good opportunity for you. And it'd be a good opportunity for us to get a, maybe a couple new voices in here. Yeah. I mean, or do you think that this was just, squarely on Wilson that they came to him and maybe he read the writing on the wall and he's decided to take it. Kevin Wilson's a part of the game plan, but Kevin Wilson doesn't call the game. And I'm not sure he's going to call the game as a head coach at Tulsa, but I, I think the further, you know, it got away from urban and the more it's gone today. I think Kevin Wilson's been less and less involved with the offense and that's not who he is. He's an offensive, you know, I mean, I, I, people might say it's dated and he's not an offensive genius. And at a time, Kevin Wilson was one of the best offensive minds in college football. And I don't think that's left him because the style he played at Oklahoma still translates to today. So I'm, I don't think, you know, how he coached at Indiana, I don't think that that's an outdated system. You, you know, I think it would still be successful. So I, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it was just, he was becoming less and less a part of the offense, you know, and that that's not him. He still wants to be, he still wants to have his, you know, his footprint be there. Um, but I think Dave probably said, you know, we, we are going to start having to go in a couple of changes with our offense. And philosophically, it doesn't really match, you know, what you're trying to do or schematically it doesn't match what you like to do. And they probably just amicably just decided that, you know, if he got a head coaching job and it was right for him, he was in Oklahoma for years. So if it, if it was the right job for him, go take it. So 
no fault to him, you know, and I, the people bashing him saying like he sucks or whatever. He, he hasn't done anything, you know, the last couple of years. I mean, yeah, I think Cade Stover at times and sorry to throw his name out there could have blocked much better at the end of this year. But I think when the tight ends have got an opportunity for the most part, since Kevin Wilson's been there, they've performed. Yeah. Like, I mean, going off of that, and I did see some of that too. Some people were giving him a hard time for the blocking and stuff like that. And to be fair on that, I mean, I mean, you could kind of throw that shaded heart line too, because I've seen, I, I've seen a, a, a regression in the blocking from our, both our tight ends and our receivers that, you know, I mean, I remember guys like, you know, Paris Campbell and, uh, you know, Terry McLaurin, like putting guys on their butts at, uh, like, well, know, I mean, and- there there was one play. It was in the Michigan game. It was a toss. It was that third and three toss to Chip Trainum that yeah. you know Stover held his block for a whole like quarter of a second, and Marv came over. And I don't I don't know if Marv like I think it was supposed to be a one on one Chip and that outside guy, but Marv completely missed him. You know, he went and got the inside guy, and I just. And the role I remember Terry McLaurin, whether that was like his assignment or not, Terry would have taken both those guys out, you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and so, I mean, what's the saying? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Like Kevin Wilson can only tell his tight ends how to be in position. He can't help it. If they hold a block for yeah. <laughs> a millisecond, like that's not his fault. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just my thought on some of that. I saw some of that stuff and I did see some of the people saying some stuff about, you know, what the offense looked like. I mean, this is Ryan day's offense. Do they it's not, not do they play. not get Ryan day calls the plays? I mean, like, I thought that was a well-known fact that they probably did. Cause I'm sure last week they were complaining that Ryan day needs a play call. <laughs> oh I mean, they, right. Everyone was saying he needs to be fired for the plays he calls. And yet mysteriously today, Kevin Wilson's the play caller that doesn't know what to like. Kevin Wilson doesn't call the plays. Ryan yeah. Day's the play caller. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Kevin Wilson, you know, might give him a couple suggestions, but he pretty much just tells them from the booth where they're lying, where they're right, at. Exactly. And, yeah. Uh, Ryan, Ryan does it all. I mean, I've, I've heard from multiple, you know, out, outlets from the beat that Kevin Wilson doesn't have much to do with the game or with the play calling on game day. Yeah. Yeah. So. He helps devise he helps come up with a game plan for the team they're playing. Yeah. So best of luck to him. I hope he's successful at Tulsa. Um, Obviously there will be some, you know, names that come up and stuff. I don't know how much we really want to get into the speculation because probably try to, you know, spend the the majority of the rest of our time on the playoffs. Um, but yeah, well, there's other stuff to talk about. I mean, well, that, that'll all shake up and take form here in the next couple, you know, weeks or whatever. Yeah, so well, we'll probably hear some, you know, we'll probably hear some rumors and stuff like that. You know, the, they kept the Knoll stuff secret last year for as long as they could. So, you know, I don't know. Obviously, it's going to be either be from promotion or they're going to bring somebody in to take Wilson's spot. But somebody's coming in because whether somebody gets promoted up unless they promote, you know, you know, one of the assistants up Cor- also, Corey yeah. Dennis, offensive coordinator, play caller. <laughs> You're going to give me, I'm going to have a stroke, man. So stop. Oh. I've had, I've been bouncing back and forth over the last week between optimism and pessimism. Oh, I'm in, I'm I'm in like, such a dark place. Most days, Mike, I don't like, I, I feel, I feel good for like, 
three minutes out of the hour and the other 57 minutes i'm just bitching and going down the rabbit hole of (laughs) what's happening to ohio state football yeah so yeah let's not talk about Corey (laughs) dennis getting a promotion i might that might be that might be enough to do it we just call it it call it a night right there um Um, okay go ahead sorry oh i just uh, you want to hit anything else before we quickly get to the transfer portal because i mean there's we got a lot craziness. of craziness. Yeah, we got yeah, a lot so to talk about. Let's move. Let's, all right. P- portal. So as of the last time I checked, uh, there was over a thousand kids in the transfer portal. <laughs> so is this going to be a thing now? Is this now portal Monday? We have black Monday in the NFL when the coaches start getting fired. Is this portal Monday after the championship games are over that everybody's going to be jumping in. I mean, you got some big time kids in this portal. I mean, uh, well, I just read Drake uh, may they're expecting that he's going to leave UNC. Yeah. So you got Tony Grimes, you're possibly going to Drake may you got, uh, what, what Brockheimer or whatever you say his name from. Oh Alabama. yeah. Uh, yeah. Brockermeyer. Yeah. yeah so one, they're the tw- was, were they the twins? I don't remember, but yeah, he's a five-star tackle. They have a five-star tackle from Stanford, uh, that five-star linebacker, uh, flow or, Justin yeah, Flo, right. right? They got a five-star oh, linebacker from Oklahoma. Um, I, his name escapes me right now. Desai McCullough, you know, high four-star linebacker from yeah. Indiana. He's in there. Now we had a we had a kid this morning who went into the transfer portal from Cal, like a top-level linebacker from Cal, who just got 17 tackles last week against UCLA, and two hours later he committed to UCLA. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. Oh my I mean, God. Yeah. It's, UCLA obviously liked him enough. Like uh, he kicked our ass all over the field. So let's bring him on. I mean, this is ridiculous. Like it's nuts. And like to a point now it's like, and I, I saw this from a couple people online and stuff like this, but I mean, this is almost to like the point is like, there's going to be kids that are not going to be making football teams. So like some of these kids like yeah. really cost themselves. So it's like, I think going forward, I think they're going to learn a lesson this year, but going forward that they're probably going to be, have to be like, um, if you're kind of like on the, you know, you're right there at the end and maybe you're, you don't like the fact that you're on the third team and stuff like that. Maybe you just accept that. And, uh, you just be like, I want my college paid for it because you're like, right. Right. You, yeah. You could be put in a situation. You're you've been in a school for two years. Nobody's seen any film on you. Nobody remembers how good of a star you were two years ago. Right. And now you might not even make a team. So like, like, I mean, it's just not, I mean, like how many kids today? It was like, it was like every other minute. It was like, well, this kid's down the, I mean, uh, there's nine kids from Clemson went into the transfer portal. Like, no, I mean, it seems like there's 10 already from Alabama, like DJ. I mean, for, uh, yeah, DJ went to, right. I know the number one, you know, well, I think end up end of the day, number two quarterback in the country from the 2020 season. But, and obviously we, we know how his career has gone, so we don't need to harp on him or anything, but um, yeah, I, I think, you're, I mean, it's going to be a tough lesson to learn, but man, it's like, for as much as, you know, Gary Wilson and Chris Olave overshadowed Jamison Williams when he was here, he was still on the field, you know? It wasn't like he was just riding the bench, not getting opportunity. Like, he was still, you know, they, they used him in a very specific way, just take the safety with you, you know, run. If Justin wants to launch it to you, he will. Um, I mean, he it would have been great, you know, if he would have stayed around last year. Again, I I always said I don't know how much it really would have helped us because we still had the other two guys, but it would have been great to have him. 
but at least he was on the field for Ohio State. You know, you saw what he could do. He was a gunner on the special teams. He was, you know, one of our outside receivers. But if your ass isn't starting at Ohio State, you're not or playing at Ohio State, you're not going to play at Alabama, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, like these kids, you got to get a reality check here. Um, yeah, I mean, from Ohio State, what Jalen Johnson was in. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you, but because I thought about this a little bit earlier today and I didn't want to forget to bring it up. That 2018 linebacking core, was that just the biggest miss on evaluation yeah. ever or was that just the worst development by al washington like who do you even blame for that bill davis or al washington combination of both like who screwed that up i mean bill davis is not there much with them so like i can't necessarily blame him like they come in um, with him right like he's I, but but i don't think he's i don't think he's necessarily like i have a feeling that's more you know that's more shiano and urban that are bringing that man because he wasn't really a great he, Davis from everything we heard wasn't really somebody that really liked to go out and recruit so yeah. I have a feeling it, that's more Shiano and Urban that pulled those guys in they're legitimate players I mean they they were one two five stars and a four star or whatever and like, yeah maybe uh, one five star two four stars I don't know but they were good they were all and the four stars were on the brink of five stars I mean they were all top level players and so I just think I don't know they Obviously, and I don't know if they were just, I don't know if it's the coaches after them. Like I ended up really liking Pete Warner. I didn't like him at first. I did end up like him. I love Browning. I thought he was in the wrong position for him. Always, always was in the wrong. Why they tried to force that guy to be this superstar, like freak athlete, middle linebacker, just put him on the edge and let him like, blow people away with his athleticism like there was no reason that it's like and i don't even know i mean it's like they saw you know micah parsons in 2018 or whatever like oh he could do that like no don't make him do that and i think they and i'm sorry i think they blew a lot of warner too until halfley got there and really started seeing that you know there's different things we can do with him we can push him back to safety and you know switch him up and between him and fuller and stuff like that i that i I don't know what it was about Borland that everybody fell in love with. I just never did. I, I, I think, yeah, I think Pete really took it upon himself too to make himself the best, you know, to really push himself between years two and three, like yeah. be- between 18 and 19. I mean, that guy turned into a monster. I mean, his neck was like this big, like it was, you know, he, he really, he up just, I think the intensity of how he was approaching the game and then yeah. boy, look, it's carried over to the NFL. Yeah. So I don't know who blew that. I don't know if maybe they weren't just not the the players that they should have been. I, I disagree with that. I think that they had the talent. They were all good high school football players. They needed, they just were not developed correctly in my opinion. Yeah. And, um, and that just hurt them at the end of the day. I think they got lost behind some of those other linebackers in front of them. And, you know, maybe they shouldn't have, maybe a couple of them should have been given a couple more opportunities. Um, especially in that 2020 season, but you know, COVID could have did part of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, They were, I mean, we've talked about that before, so I'm not going to beat a dead horse on that one. Um, But like, yeah, so I don't know. But yeah, it's on paper right now. That's probably like the worst. uh, I would have to imagine that's the worst linebacker recruiting class that they've 
add as, as a whole none that, of them did anything <laughs> anything as, as a whole that recruiting class is just one of the biggest like freaking swings and misses ever man that was yeah there were so many of them that just didn't pan out or like i guess like teron vincent now is playing well but i mean what 2018 to 2022 man that's a long time yeah yeah no definitely agree um all right. Speaking on the portal, though, I mean, we talked about this a little bit earlier when we were kind of going over stuff we wanted to talk about tonight. But I definitely feel like Ryan Day, who's gotten some players through the portal over the I mean, they've got mm-hmm. some, you know, you think about Jonah Jackson and, you know, Ruggles. I mean, they've gotten kids, you know, to transfer in that have done Justin Fields and Trey Sermon, just Justin Fields, Trey Sermon, you know. So they they've gotten some big time players. I think he really kind of needs to find a good balance and be a little bit more aggressive with the transfer yeah. portal. Recruiting still important because you know that's where you're going to get the the heart and soul of the team is recruiting. But when you kind of look like what modern college football has turned into, either these guys are going to the NFL in three years or they're transferring out of your program. Right. So you got to have a balance. Like you know you got to try to replace. You got to you got to get some older kids into the program that have been somewhere that can kind of create a balance because, mm-hmm. you know, if you think if you, if that is your only situations that they're gone in three years or they transfer out, you're going to get, um, you're going to get multiple situations like they had last year where they're just incredibly the young. And, you know, the, so that's not a rebuild or reload type. That's a, you know, a rebuild type. And, you know, we always at Ohio state, you kind of want to be on a reload like, and, you know, that way you got it. So you got to get some players in here that, and there's obviously some big names in here. So he's got an opportunity as the head coach of Ohio state, the, uh, the pull some of these kids in and, you know, see where they play next, mm-hmm. see what they can do next year, you know, and it's good competition for the young kids that they're bringing in and the kids that are going to still be on the team. And, but you know, we need that. Uh, we need a couple more boots in the arm and on, a couple more soldiers in here. Yeah. So. I mean, and that's it. Just where you're going to be weak. You're going to be, you're going to be so thin in a couple spots, either so thin or so young. Like you got, you have, you have to aggressively attack this and it doesn't have to be every year to be this aggressive, but you, you still got to be aggressive with it in modern college football, but you have to bridge what you have to what you can recruit or what you know to develop those guys because i mean you got nothing in your cornerback room you got nothing in your offensive tackle room like these are real real concerns like yeah you know you, you like don't it. want guards playing tackle like <laughs> yeah not ideal see, maybe in the big 10 see. but not not in big games yeah and you seem like you know you're gonna be seems like that there might be one of the three addressers that we thought they were going to get in recruiting that they could get maybe one now is that we might not get any of them. So yeah. it's like, you know, and I know you still got Sawyer and you got, you know, two Amala there, but you know, you got to build in some depth after that. I mean, you know, Zach Harrison's going to be gone. Baptiste is going to be gone. Um, so that's like, you got to add some more depth back to the program there. So, you know, you, you're going to have to hit that position too. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, and there's some big, there's some big linebackers out there. When you think of like Desan and stuff like that, if they could go get him, I think that, you know, they might be able to make him into some sort of uh, a, a third down rush end and you mm-hmm. know, situation. Well, he's already so, doing a good job, you know, Indiana with it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's both players, both defensive ends that have been playing defensive ends. And you know, that 
those hybrid linebacker types that are in this portal right now that they could probably go after and, you know, get you some more uh, rush ends on the field. That's rushers. Yeah. I mean, if they screw up this, you know, and I know it's really tough. Like Ryan's in a really, really weird place because I know people weren't happy with how the Michigan game went last year, but now you're getting part of the fan base, like loudly turning on him, you know? And, and it's like, it's a really rough time and we'll talk about the playoff, but you got early signing day, bowl prep, all this transfer portal crap. It's all, you know, lining up with each other and he's got to find a way to be a rock star and balance this while recruiting, you know, at the same time I said early signing day, but he's got to figure out like, how do I live with no sleep? Because he's gonna, you know, he, yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't envy him. It's not a position I would want to be in. I mean, that's, you know, it's awesome to coach Ohio state, but like, he's got to figure out a way how to navigate through all this stuff because you know, they screw this up and you know, and we'll talk about the playoffs. I mean, we're not going to break down anything today, but if they go get their, you know, the doors blown off of them in Atlanta you have a you fall apart on your signing day you don't get anyone from the transfer i mean i'd say you know get pantoni and marati out of there too because like the guy's got to step up and i mean dave's definitely you know he's he's the general man he's leading this yeah 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 a lot of pressure I do think I, I saw Birmingham mentioned Jerem mentioned something about this earlier. I do think it's so stupid, ridiculous transfer portal uh, before early signing day. They should push that behind early signing. Maybe they should coincide, you know, after the season's fully over and when you have to pick if you're going to go to the draft or not. Maybe they should do uh, draft declarations and transfer portal all at the same time. Why can't it way, be? Why can't it be after bowl season? Like, yeah. Like, you know, you know, when you have to declare for the draft, so make it, you know, season's over, you know, if you're going to the NFL, you're declaring, if you're transferring out, you're declaring, you're doing those all together. So the teams all know who they're all losing at the same time, because, right. you know, you're, you're not only losing kids here at the portal time, you, you're trying to get signing day, then you're going to have kids declaring for the NFL, you know, here in a few weeks that is like, you know, so, I mean, it's just crazy. I think that they probably could have did this better. But hey, they could have did NAL better, and uh, that's what happens when you have an NCAA that keeps on kicking shit down the the road. Why? I mean, why do you need to see a season for early signing day? Why can't early signing day be in August? Yeah, I don't. Who knows? I mean, I mean, I get. I, why can't we? Why can't we go back <laughs> to one signing day? Like uh, you know, right? I, I, it's everything. February. Just, February was a fine signing day. Like. They could do transfer portal now and then have February signing I mean, day in February. They got to reorganize this. I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how these coaches can live, you know, like with, especially the ones that still have something to play for in December. Like you're trying to get your team ready, go win a national title. And you got to worry about all this other shit on top of it. Like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And you know, that's only going to get more stressful here in the next oh, yeah. few years <laughs> when they go to 12 teams. So it's like, you know, there's going to be more teams in this position. Um, so yeah, I know this is, this is absolutely nuts. Um, I mean, who knows? Maybe that mitigates it a little bit because maybe guys are still playing well, for their team. The so playoff, then they're not going to, you know, transfer, yeah, but yeah, that's true. I, I mean, <laughs> the, and the play, the start of the playoffs is going to be up a couple more weeks. I yeah. mean, it's going to be mid December. So like it's, that's going to be closer to signing day. Like, so like, you know, I mean, what are they going to do there? They got to like, they have to move some of this stuff back. And you know, what's crazy. It kind of helps the four teams. They get the buy because they get to be like, well, 
Right, I know. <laughs> I can go pick up kids in the transfer portal, and we're, you know, when they these other teams, they're all practicing <laughs> to play a football. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, so yeah, there's a lot of craziness in there. Um, all right, you know, Jackson Smith of, and Jigba first. Let's. So, you know, well, speaking of playoffs, so some people were talking about, you know, would Jackson Smith be back? Would he be healthy? Could he come back and play? Ryan day was asked about that the other day when they made the playoffs. Um, he said we would have a couple, we would have an update on that in a couple of days, a couple of days later, one day, later. one day later, uh, Jackson Smith is, uh, getting ready for the NFL draft. So he is not going to play in the playoffs. Um, so that's heartbreaking. Um, but again, like, I don't want to try to, I know a lot of people, you know, I mean, there was a couple of stupid fans that went at him, but most people were, you know, pretty much wishing him good luck, you know, a little heartbroken and stuff like that. I'm trying not to beat myself too much about it. I mean, we played so much now without him that like, you can't assume that somebody's going to be back that hasn't played a whole, I mean, he's literally played a couple plays pretty much the whole year. So, yeah, right. Exactly. Know, so you can't, you can't beat yourself up when, uh, you know, he was not really there to begin with for the years. So, right. You know, obviously I hope, I hope he gets the hamstring in order. I hope, uh, he looks good at the combine. And I hope he does good. He, I hope he gets drafted in a good position, makes good money, and shows himself in the NFL. And hopefully, he gets a few contracts out of it. Um, and you know, that's pretty much where I'm at. Wish the best for him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, same sentiment for me. I think it, it's been a band aid on the team that just needed to be yanked off, and it's been kind of been hanging there way too long this season. Um, you know, I, I think probably the team had a better feel a couple weeks ago that he wasn't coming back this year, but I think that just that left all the fans kind of like hanging there, which whatever. I mean, they don't owe anything to the fans to let them know who's playing or not, but in the same sense, you know, there's always this like allure, like, Oh, you know, once he's back, everything's going to be solved and we can't run our offense because he's not there. And in reality, I mean, you should have just moved on from him and, you know, bit more public about it and just and i don't know what the team was doing i mean i'm not in the meetings but it just feels like like everyone was under this impression that it's like it was a magical save on whatever was going on with the offense and in reality if that's what really was going on that you didn't know how to run your offense because you know this component wasn't there anymore or you were trying to you know do replicate him with another player when in reality just you know simplify your offense a little bit more move forward with the guys you have and call what they do well so yeah i I don't i don't know i mean i i feel like like i said i feel like the team had an idea for a while about this but it was just something that you know it's been drama that was hanging over the team um not jackson's fault whatsoever and they stopped talking about it and i think that's the reason why because everyone was making such a big deal about it they thought maybe it would go away it didn't go away ryan said you know a couple days he didn't wait for it though one day and it was announced so hurts he's a great player of course 100 percent healthy he helps us out tremendously in those games but you move on without him now and now you don't have any stress or whatsoever it was just one day into bowl preparation and then you move on yeah you know the worst thing to me about this whole situation and you know i saw a couple of people saying today that you know you know he's always going to have that rose bowl game that he did for ohio state but mm-hmm. In the era of new modern college football, I think that game's going to be forgotten in a few years. And uh, like, 
people still talk about the 96 Rose Bowl. People, I don't think the people are going to talk about this Rose Bowl that long because, yeah, you know, it just, it's not what gets people going anymore. You know, you got to be in the playoffs and they're going to move the whole team playoffs. And it's kind of sad to think of because he had such a great game, but you know, it's going to pop up every now and then when you see the all time or, you know, the single game, you know, receiving record and sure. stuff like that. But how often does that pop up unless somebody gets close to beating it? And, uh, you know, and I think it's going to be maybe in 10 years or five years or whatever, you know, there's somebody's going to be like got 200 yards receiving or whatever. And they're going to pop that up there and be like, Oh yeah, Jackson Smith did do that, that <laughs> game. And I, and I remember that game. That game was awesome. And I 30 years I down that, the road, old Mike, old John, remember Jackson Smith and Jigba yeah. season. <laughs> yeah. I just, I know. And, and, and that's what sucks. And that's what's sad because that should be remembered. And because that was, a hell of a game by him. And I just think that as the bowl games get less and less remembered, if you're not in the playoffs and stuff like that, you kind of going to forget about stuff like that. And, uh, you know, whereas in, you know, you think about the runs that Zeke had and you're never going to forget about those. Right. You, They're you think meaningful. About that. Yeah. But it's just, it's just a whole different thing now. And, you know, that kind of, uh, you know, that kind of sucks when you think about, where college football is going, but you know, things change and you got to kind of move with the times with it. And, you know, so the yeah, one, the one thing about JSN though, is, I mean, I, I have no doubt in my mind, you know, he's going to be signing a couple NFL contracts. So his legacy will continue to grow. He'll, you know, be a great player on Sundays and people won't forget where he comes from, but it is, you know, it is a complicated and sad legacy leaves behind it. Ohio State just because it wasn't completed. Yeah. Um. All right. Moving on. Hopefully nothing bad just happened. Our recording just restarted. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. Maybe maybe there's a time limit now, and we'll get two videos. Oh well, we'll have to we'll have to keep pushing through, and we'll see what happens. So. Uh, <laughs> oh, I don't know. We'll have to use something different. We're on to yeah. on to Zoom. No more Skype. Yeah, I don't, that was just weird. I just noticed it. Um, all right, so uh, um, playoff. So uh, USC lost, and we kind of all felt pretty good after that. That yeah, you know, Ohio for sure. State was definitely getting in, um, and they're in now. So they are the number four seed. They're going to play Georgia. It's going to be in the Peach Bowl. It's going to be the eight o'clock game on December thirty first. So. Uh, Hopefully, uh, Ohio. Hopefully, this is not a recap of 2016 when uh, it was sad going into the new year. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, but uh, so we'll see how that goes. Obviously, Michigan and uh, TCU are the earlier game. That game's going to be at four. So you know, just before we get into this, like <laughs> halfway through the first quarter or end of the first quarter, I don't even really remember how it all played out, but. When it's like 17 to three USC, man, and Caleb Williams is just moving the ball like he is, did you just think, oh, it's done? <laughs> like, it's over. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. thought I thought they were going to blow Utah's doors off in that game. And it was the absolute opposite, man. Utah kicked their ass. Yeah. No, like, <laughs> that series that Utah ends up, that next series or whatever it is, that they score to make it, uh, get back down into the game. Um, then I'm like, you know, mm -hmm. and then William starts getting hurt and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, they can, uh, cause he had a point 
he couldn't run anymore. And it was just like, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be able to do this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Utah's a tough team, man. And uh, tough I mean, out, tough that, out for sure. We saw that last year. I mean, they are a physical team. I still don't get how Kyle Whittingham has not been hired by somebody like, you know, how he the likes, hell he likes how, it out we, there, man. Yeah, I get it. But with all the coaching openings you've had over the last, you know, since he's been the head coach there, like he's had some really good teams and it's like, you know, why is this guy not become a head coach, you know, at a bigger program? Um, he likes I, it out there. Like I could have seen this guy being a force to be reckoned with in the big 10. Like, my God. Oh, hell yeah. The way he coaches. Yeah. No, I mean, that would have been scary. I mean, I know Harbaugh's, you know, got Michigan coming around, but damn, I mean, could you imagine him coaching Michigan? Like those would have yeah. been bloodbaths for years. I mean, even the teams in the West. I mean, I know you think about oh, like sure, yeah. Iowa. He would, Iowa been, or, he would have been great at Iowa. You know, the way they coach defense and stuff like that. And, he would actually have had a real offense. He incorporates <laughs> his tight ends. I mean, they would have loved him at Iowa. Yeah. So now oh, he's, he's, yeah, he's a, uh, he's the real deal out there. Um, but yeah, so just a surprise of that. I like his little touch at the end of the game. You you're welcome coach day. That was <laughs> kind of funny. Uh, um, so, you know, that got us in. So, you know, TCU then lost to Kansas state. So that was the big question, you know, whether, you know, would we move up to three and then they do the, us get the rematch in the semis or, you know, the, um, would they, uh, you know, put us against Georgia and, you know, I kind of felt like, um, it's, you know, they were down eight, you know, and, you know, Duggan, which basically took the whole, that whole last, that drive that he, ends up they tie the game on i mean he puts the whole thing on his back and so i kind of felt at that point that they were in the playoff for sure win or lose right, and i was yeah. starting to think that i'm like well he probably just held on to number they probably held on to number three because they weren't going to award ohio state for not playing in the final weekend but ohio state was definitely getting in i know some people were complaining about that but at that point who was left there like, there, you know, there was no argument there and like I'll I'll talk about that here a little bit more in a little bit, but Max Duggan, man, like if TCU loses by another score, you know, like I think all the I'm if they would have lost by ten or more, Ohio State's three. I believe that. Yeah, and there's a part in that game where it kind of seemed like Kansas State might have been taking it over. A little oh bit. yeah, and I'm yeah, just yeah. like, and I'm just like. Like there was a point Vegas odds had both TCU and Alabama at the same equal odds of making the playoffs. And I'm just like, and like, I was, I mean, I was watching it with our dad and I'm just like, I'm like, there's, this is, this is becoming a part in this game where, you know, Alabama is now knocking on this door and that they could get in the playoffs. I'm like, it's going to be hard. I'm like, if TCU loses by a few scores, yeah, I'm like, it's going to be hard to, you know, it's going to be a lot of pressure on the committee saying that TCU's, deserves to be in when you be like we could literally have a georgia alabama semifinal and a michigan ohio state semifinal it's already a hard day of the year for us because of new year's eve and we're going to put those two games on new year's eve we're going to blow whatever ratings we've ever had out of the that's, water that's it, true i didn't i never even really considered that but yeah i mean that like yeah, I mean, that, that would have saved whatever ratings meltdown they could have. I mean, having Ohio State, Georgia primetime, that's definitely going to be beneficial for their ratings. I mean, I don't see that game flopping at all. I just, oh. I, I've always hated the New Year's Eve 
playoff games though i mean i just feel like that sucks i hate when that that happens yeah no i agree with that um so you know but then so now we know what the we know what that is um like what do you think i mean we're like i want another shot at uh i definitely want another shot at michigan i want to beat michigan and uh so you know obviously if they would have just did in the semifinals you rip that band-aid off right now but at the same time i kind of think it's uh i think that this could be a an opportunity for ohio state if they come in and play the game because they can't even think about michigan right you got to be georgia 100 from here till georgia but you know georgia and michigan are very similar so it's not like you know when you think about like when ohio state beat alabama you know, then they go play Oregon. I mean, those are two different teams and, you know, you kind of had to get ready for Oregon speed and stuff like that after a very physical, you know, Georgia game. Now this is going to be, or Alabama game. This is going to be a very physical Georgia game. So I'm not going to say that Ohio state's going to be at a hundred percent, you know, going to play Michigan. And if it is Michigan in the finals and if Ohio state wins, but you're at least not having to change a lot in the preparation because you just prepared for, you know, a Michigan style team. So, you know, like that helps in mm-hmm. the situation and you can kind of be ready for Michigan just by, you know, that, you know, that the same type of physicality is going to be there. Now it's just your rival that you owe them two years worth of revenge over and that, you know, I don't know. So I think this will help them keep them focused where on the other side of it, you know, TCU is not going to be the easiest out in the world. If TCU stays in that game um, and they don't let Michigan establishes themselves like real early on them and they can stay in and they can stay, stay. They're both great second half teams. If they can stay in the game and don't let Michigan overwhelm them in the second half. And that's a game in the fourth quarter. That might be a situation where, you know, Michigan's kind of looking ahead. Are we playing Ohio state? Are we playing Georgia? They don't know. They think they're walking to the national championship game. And, you know, TCU, there could be a situation in there where that could be an upset. I'll tell you what, I'm, that's that's one of the last quarterbacks I want to see in a close fourth quarter game. So they better hope they put TCU away because that dude's a freaking warrior, man. Like, I, I don't want anything to do with that guy in a one score, you know, Kansas State, game. Kansas State beat him up like it was oh like my watching God. Caleb Williams get beat up because he kept the, He was still able to run. That looked, like, that looked like Rocky Balboa going against Ivan Drago, man. Like that was he was yeah, he was he was bloody in and broken bad shape. Um, What I'll, I mean, what I'll say about this how it plays out i wanted the revenge um but i i think i think i feel like you do that you know the team you want to prepare more for is georgia because they're the best team they're number one so i i think you preparing for georgia is the best step um I don't think, you know, Michigan, I feel like Ohio state still would have been favored over Michigan, honestly, on a neutral site, like a point, two points, whatever that it's still, you know, Michigan would still be playing. Like they still don't respect this thing. And this, you know, you're a touchdown underdog. Now that doesn't happen to Ohio state very often. So it gives you all this time to prepare for them. You kind of have 
prepared for Georgia light with Michigan already, but you get to be loose. Like you already have the stuff in the back of your mind, but now, now you get to just work on improving your team, just being better. You don't not got to stress about being perfect. Stopping these guys showing everyone that you're the toughest dudes on the field. Like you just got to play fast and you, you can do all right against them. I'm not going to say, you know, today that Ohio state is going to beat Georgia, but I think it helps that you get the more preparation for the better team. And then the team that you've already prepared for this year, you play in 10 days. Cause I think even going into Michigan, like if you played them now, it could have been a, like Clemson again. And that this isn't saying that Ohio state would have beat Alabama in 2020, but you know, you beat them, but it's an emotional, just, you know, high letdown, whatever it might be. Then you get to Georgia right afterwards and it's like, well, we, we've accomplished our mission, man. We beat, we, we got that monkey off our back. We beat Michigan. Bam. Now you get your, you know, your shit kicked in by Georgia. So I, I think this is actually the route you want to go. I know not everyone wants to hear that because they wanted to beat Michigan, but you had to beat both of them anyways. So this is the best route I think for Ohio state. Yeah. Um, no, I definitely agree with all that. Um, so you know, um, it's not going to be necessarily, uh, you know, trying to think on whose path is easier. I probably would say that uh, Michigan's path. I okay, but who who do you think has the easier game, Michigan or Georgia? Like, who do you think has the bigger chance that they could get upset in this? I think Georgia's probably got the bigger chance to be upset. So did Georgia get did Georgia get screwed then? Because shouldn't they be rewarded for being number one? Yeah, but at the same time, I don't, I don't think Ohio State probably deserved any higher than four. So it was like a weird, it's like a weird situation on that because, uh, um, like I, I seen a lot of people, and and this is gonna play against Michigan because. This is going to motivate TCU some. There's already people that come out, national media guys, uh, you know, have said that, you know, shouldn't TCU be fourth? I mean, I mean, Reese Davis grilled, uh, you know, the commissioner of the the chairman. Uh, and he's like, you know, if Ohio State and TCU played on a neutral site, you know, Ohio State would be the favorite to win that game. And, you know, so, you know, is shouldn't TCU, shouldn't Ohio State be third and TCU be, and I mean, I thought the the chairman, I think he answered it pretty well. He said, Hey, you know, they kind of both had a very similar situation be it down eight one closed the gap and tied the game. And even though they lost it in overtime and the other one didn't, yeah. and you know, that's kind of like, if you think about it, it's kind of a very simplistic way to, to be able to grade them at the end of the day, He's not wrong. which one, which one was third and which one was fourth. So like, and I actually like that answer from him. I'm like, well, that's actually a metric I can get behind. Like right, you guys yeah. were both down eight points, and you know, one of you guys showed up, but the other one didn't at that point. So, like, you know, I, I like that answer. Um, I can't remember who was in it, it was Bobby Carpenter was talking about it, but I can't remember what it was. It was about like I think it like Max Duggan fighting to keep him in the game or something. He's like, is he's like, is Warrior quarterback a metric now that we go by? <laughs> I didn't know that. And it's so true. They just make this crap up as they go. You know, it's like, I mean, they just talk out of both sides of their mouth every single year. It happens. Like they don't know what they're doing. It's just, I mean, here's where I, here's where I am with it. Ohio state was a top three team the entire year. 
And I know they backed into a double digit win against Maryland, but they beat everybody by double digits up until Michigan. It was a one score game against the number three team in the country. And they didn't finish with eight minutes left. So, yeah, I mean, it it looks so bad. Even St. Nick was on, you know, Fox, which why would Fox ever try to like, why? Why would they let when they want two of their teams in the playoffs? Why would they let this guy politic? On their halftime show. I mean, it made no sense, but he looked pathetic out there, man. Like talk about good wins and bad wins. Like how, I mean, it was a bad loss. Don't get me wrong, but you got nothing to hang your hat on Nick. Like you beat Austin P the second, to last week of the season. Like, unfortunately that's why that's when chicken shit Saturday comes back to bite you in the ass. Like you had nothing. And it was like, and then I saw him uh, before they, uh, you know, before they did the, um, the selections, like he's on talking about that too. And, uh, and I forget like uh, the one guy that was down there with him. I can't, I, I can't think of the Marty Smith. Yeah. Him. And, uh, he's always he, uh, the one. Yeah. And so he, and he's like, you know, in Alabama, he's like, you know, he's talking about, you know, he would be favored against a few of these. So yeah, he took shots at both TCU and Ohio state. Cause I think, I think the shots like, well, look, well, you know, one of them lost really bad at the end of the day. That was obviously a shot at Ohio state. And then but he said I think one lost saying, to a bad team, didn't he? Yeah. When he lost he to a four loss team. Yeah. So, and then he was like, you know, and they, uh, you know, the other one would be, you know, you know, he would be favored again. I think that was definitely a shot at TCU because he would have been Alabama would not have been favored against Georgia or Michigan. And I think that probably it would be a, a three-point swing either way against Ohio State, in my personal opinion. I think Al- Alabama would have been an underdog to everyone besides TCU, and that's a fair point. Like I, I think that could very easily be, and um, you know, so th- that's kind of my my thoughts on that. Um, so yeah, I thought it was kind of uh, pathetic. Honestly, the one that should be kicking themselves biggest in the behind was uh, Debo for not switching to club Nick earlier because you know. <laughs> One loss in an ACC championship game. He's in. Ohio State, He's in. Ohio State would have never have overcome that. Right. So, you know, so like everybody that was complaining about Ohio State back in, Alabama was behind them. Tennessee was behind them and Penn State was behind them. So like literally you have four teams in a row that, uh, you know, none of them are playing in that final week. Right. No so, one's a conference and, champion and, and, and they, they all have, have two losses. And the, those three have two losses where Ohio State has one loss. So it's like, you know, there's only one team that was deserving of it at that point. So like anybody could say what they want, but you know, it is what it is. I mean, yeah. Could you imagine if he played against South Carolina? I mean, they win that game probably easily and then Clemson's in the playoffs. Yeah. So, yep. That was you know the biggest one that probably kicks themselves in the butt. that one. So, um, but yeah, I wonder. I mean, I wonder how that kid will do. I mean, it's kind of like outside of Deshaun Watson, Davos quarterbacks have always gotten just a little bit worse, you know, each year that they're with him. So ho- hopefully yeah. that wasn't his time to strike gold with Cade Klubnik. I don't think it was. I mean, the kid's a really good player. He outshone um, Quinn Ewers all of their senior season. So, you know, I or junior season, I don't because he's a true freshman, right? Quinn's a sophomore. Yeah. But they, they wore the same age and then Quinn reclassified. Yeah. yeah he, I mean, he was yeah. better than Quinn when they were in high school. I mean, even though Quinn had the, you know, the monster cannon arm, but kid beat him everywhere they went. So 
He's a stud. Yeah. He's, um, a, he's a stud. All right. So just real quick, because obviously we're going to do, uh, you know, the breakdowns, actual breakdowns in the weeks to come. Just yeah. our early, our just early thoughts. Like, what are we thinking that Ohio State, <laughs> this big picture stuff coming into this playoffs, um, you know, I mean, this, this is a lot for Ryan Day. We kind of talked about this earlier because, you know, if he gets the chance to play Michigan, like, I don't think the Ohio State fan base is going to take any loss. I don't care. No point loss. You know, like that, they, you need to win that game. And like I said last week, you know, if you did get somehow into the playoff that, you know, I don't care if it's on a, you know, if you look bad the whole game, but somehow it's close and you went on a last second Hail Mary, like you got to win the game. Right. You You know, I think it's more palatable to the fan base if they lose a close one to Georgia, but they can't get their butts kicked at the same time. And, you know, and even the loss, a close one to Georgia, there's still going to be the the people that have now switched sides and they're done with Ryan day. You know, that's just giving them more ammunition within the fan base. But I think a few more, if they, if, if they lose the Michigan and, or get blown out anywhere in this playoffs, uh, you know, they're going to be bad. It's there's going to be a lot of situations where it's not going to be, it, it's going to be a lot of anger from the, from a, I'm not going to say the majority of the fan base because I think the majority of the fan base are always going to be pretty cool with the head coach. They want to win. Yeah. You know, obviously he's a winner and stuff like that, but there's going to be a very, it's going to be a lot larger of a minority than it currently is. than that's going to want Ohio state to cut ties and, you know, and they're not going to cut ties. It's $56 million buyout. I mean, you would literally need your biggest boosters to come in to help do that. So it's crazy to even talk about it because I, I don't even think Gene's there yet, even with a bad performance. No. But a bad performance in this playoff, you know, a loss to Michigan in this playoff, you know, there's not going to be a lot, a lot of rope left for it. Gene. He might actually be in a situation where after next season, if you know, you know, God forbid they lose to Michigan again, you know, he might be in a weird position next year where it's like I don't know if that rope is going to be long enough for you know, Ryan day to hold on where, you know, he might be in a lot of pressure gene to make a change at that point. And, you know, so, and that's when gene says, Ryan, you get offered an NFL job. You're taking it. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. So initial thoughts, I mean, you're going to have to play the best game that you've played all year, obviously to win this game. They have a chance yeah. to win this game. Um, any of that, you know, sideline to sideline bullshit or bubble screens or stretch runs they're not going to work you're going to get your doors blown off if you try to do that stuff you can't bog down you got to go vertical whole game yeah if you want to go watch things if you haven't watched george's defense play you know and people could say last year's defense was better i don't care this is still the best right it's still the best defense in the country though that's uh and and it's a it's not like one of those years like when we played wisconsin in the big 10 championship game and they're like well this is the best defense in the country no this this is the best defense literally they did not have to play ohio state michigan or penn state this year so who the hell did they play right you know so like no this is the best defense in the country and i get it you know they didn't have to play alabama and you know on the other side and stuff like that but they're damn good. And, mm-hmm. you know, somehow Stetson Bennett, which, you know, he was a Heisman finalist, which is mind boggling to me. Oh yeah. CJ is a Heisman finalist. Wow. We told, <laughs> we, yeah. we forgot that one, but so, uh, whatever but, he was supposed so, to be anyways. Yeah. So like, no, you have to be ready to play the game of your life. And like, like this Stetson is like, Bennett this- was a punchline two years ago, man. Like 
I said he was an accountant and that guy is one of the just hardest playing quarterbacks in college football. Agreed. That's not enough to win the Heisman trophy. No, no, I don't. I mean, I don't don't, think he should. Like, I I hope to God he doesn't because any of the other three got to be Caleb Williams, right? Yeah. I mean, personally, I would like it to be Duggan just from what I saw. And I didn't get to watch a lot of TCU games this year, but it seems like that was pretty much a common thing for him when, since he became the starter. Yeah. That, um, so I hope it's him. Um, but depending on how many votes were taken, Stroud better not back into winning the, I mean, I'm God, I I don't want to sound like that. I hope Stroud wins the Heisman. I just don't think he really, he didn't separate himself with the numbers that I don't think he, I I don't want to, I I don't want him having the, I want him to be disrespectful completely hundred percent disrespected going into the Georgia game. Cause that's what we need. Uh, right. So like Cardell Jones was Cardell Jones. And those, because people thought Ohio state had no chance and like the kid had talent, and, you know, he put it all on his shoulders and he had, they had a hell of a game, a hell of a playoff from Zeke who also put it all on his shoulders. Right. Uh, you know, so like, and that's the type of mindset that they need to find. Like, you know, I would talk to every single coach, that was on that team. I'd have Cardell come in and talk to the kids, like literally, you know, urban Tom Herman. I don't freaking care. You know, call <laughs> Luca up. Like they need that mindset that won that playoff. That's what they need in this playoff. Yeah. Because it's, it's the whole world is going to be against them. It's literally Ohio against the world. And if they don't come in with that mindset, you know, Georgia's going to kick their ass. Like they, literally, <laughs> you know, like I, I, I hate saying it, but yeah, I mean, if, if they're not, if he's getting scared, playing conservative, kicking field goals or slowing the game down. I mean, there's just there's no time for it. There's no time for that crap. You're built to be fast. Be fast. That's you know, you're built to throw on people, throw on people. But you don't have time to do four or five reads, whatever it is, you know, and that one's on CJ. Like if you don't see something you like on read number two, read number three is you move your freaking feet, man. And you yeah. get going like, <laughs> yeah. Cause if you're not moving, you're getting sacked. Right. I mean, the, if you, if you get to read, you three might or four, get you're two, getting so hit. Like, yeah. So yeah, no, <laughs> you're going to get hit they, anyways. You might as well go get some yards with it. Definitely agree with that. <laughs> um, so yeah, so they have to, I don't want to, I don't want to be pessimistic about to, it, but it, you got to play your best game. Oh, and I'm not trying to be pessimistic either. I have had some mixed emotions this week. I'll be pessimistic if they don't look great in the playoffs. And we'll talk that will be after the playoffs because there's going to be a lot of a lot of critical talk that needs to be had. But, mm-hmm. you know, right now I want them to win. I want them to be national champions. They, they have the talent that they should be able to compete and win national titles. So this is the perfect opportunity for them. They have the ability to win this all. But, you know, if you if you go out there, like, you know, I mean, I'm not even saying that, you know, this year's Michigan game was awful. I felt it was a better game than necessarily. I felt it was a better game in situations than last year's Michigan game. You didn't get pushed all over the field, you know, you did, but where last year they weren't necessarily physically tough. It was like, they weren't mentally tough this year. You know, on some of this, I felt they were undisciplined and, you know, they, gave up gap integrity. They, you know, blew routes and blew tackling and, you know, Georgia 
it's the best tackling team in the country. Like, you know, I was like watching the, they barely miss a tackle and like, and they know how to tackle correctly. So, like, yeah. you know, that's why, that's why they don't miss tackles. They actually, they don't run into guys. They literally go run and wrap up on somebody and that take was them down. last year's national title game. I was so impressed with those two teams playing each other, even Alabama that I don't think necessarily like, has had that defense, you know, the last couple of years like that. Oh, that's, that's Alabama. Cause that's kind of Georgia now, you know, cause Kirby went over there. That's kind of Georgia's defense now, but just how fast those guys explode through their target and, you know, wrap up and tackle and just tackle through people, not just like this, you know, nonsense, like grabbing shoulder pads or running into them with their shoulder and the people bounce off. Like they just know how to wrap up and go through a guy. And it's just and it's it's an art that a lot of teams don't have anymore. I think Michigan's pretty good at it. Um, Georgia's really good at it, though. But to kind of go back to what you were talking about with the Michigan game, it wasn't even like like you said, it didn't at times it didn't feel as bad as last year. So here's where I'm at. Last year, you got totally beat up, pushed around the field this year. You could have just snuffed them out in the first quarter and you were too scared to do it. Like, you know, like. Oh. You could have killed that team. And, and I realize how it turned out. I'm not saying like, or some Michigan fan stumbles over here and be like, oh, could have killed us. We beat you by three scores. They could have put them out of the game in the first half. They didn't. It was Ohio State's fault. But no one's saying it. Like it wasn't it wasn't the refs. It wasn't the weather. It wasn't some fluke this, that, or whatever. No, Just Ohio State. You can't, keep a, you can't keep a second half team like that in the game. When you know they're a good second half team and they're dangerous, had, they got good players and you, you had opportunities in the first half where you really could have got up onto them. You know, that seven, three score, they could have went, they were, they went right down the field on them again. They could have made that 14 to three. And, you know, at that point, that's a much harder game. For Michigan. When, separating the scoreboard is where Michigan's going to have difficulties. A team starts climbing up on them, right. You know, scaling up. That's where Michigan has a hard time, you know, possibly, you know, coming back in a game and, you know, and, and to me, that's just how I feel about it. I mean, until Michigan, I know they haven't been really put into a major hold this year, but until they show me that they could come back from, cause their, their, their game plan is never built that way, but you know, it's a good thing. They don't ever let other teams get them out of their game plans. So like, you know, right, I know. Been, yeah, it's, you know, that's winning football right there. And so, you know, Ohio state, which a lot of times Ryan day has gotten out of his game plan. He's like, he comes up, you know, goes right down the field on Michigan and then he gets really tight for no stupid reason. And mm. like, you know, it's just like, why don't you literally just go do what you just did on the first series, run the exact same plays in the exact same order like, and see if they can stop it. Ryan did beating Clemson by 21, not feel good. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like, I feel like he unlocked this part of him. And then it's like, no, once once he gets punched in the mouth, he get, like kind of gives up. I don't. He's like, oh, yeah. he's like, let's just take this into the fourth quarter. It's like we don't need to. Like <laughs> you've got talent all over this field. Just try to score on them. And for what I saw, you know, just you know, probably going to be last point, and then we'll try to get out of here. Yeah. you know, um, but you know, LSU was able to throw on Georgia, and you know, especially when that new quarterback came in, and you know, so. And they scored 30 like were, points, man. It wasn't like it wasn't all just empty yardage. Like they put up some points. I know they gave up 50, but yeah. But like you said, you know, just you got to challenge these corners down the field to 
to keep their safety backs and you might be able to, you might be able to establish enough of a running game against them. It's going to be hard. You know, Georgia's very good against the run and they got some big bodies on their defensive line. So it's not going to be easy to push those guys around, but you know, you do got to show somewhat of a running game, but you can throw in these guys. So throw in these guys, challenge them down the field. They didn't do that enough against Michigan. It seems like they've went away from that a lot. You know, you don't have Jackson Smith to do all the, you know, the sideline to sideline, you know, you know, running great routes in the middle of the field mm-hmm. and screwing safeties up and stuff like that. You don't have that right now. So you got Marv who is a beast. Throw a lot of 50, 50 balls up to him and let's see if the Georgia corners are ready to play ball, you know, yeah. with the, you know, arguably except the, you know, maybe Tennessee, I would say probably Marv's probably the best receiver that they've played all year. And, you know, mm-hmm. like so, you know, challenge them up down the field. Yeah. Um, and Keely Ringo is a big guy. Like those corners, the big corners don't always have, you know, the most fluid hips to stay with guys. So I'm not saying he can't, but like you said, you got to try it. And, you know, maybe rotate Ballard in more with Fleming because that, you know, let's see. Even if you don't throw it to him, just the freaking run corners and safeties off that maybe something opens up underneath um, that yeah. you can get big time yards out of that, you know, challenge these guys. <laughs> like, I mean, challenge them and challenge them down the field. And, you know, Stroud, I mean, the one thing he was really great last year, that the one thing that he struggled has really struggled with at different times this year is that he used to know when the, his guys were breaking open last year and he just threw it up. And, you know, they weren't out of their breaks yet. And he just knew where they were going to be. And, you know, and maybe these guys aren't the best route runners necessarily in the world, like what those guys last year were. But, you know, if Marv Harrison is running, even with some dude, throw it five yards out in front of him because he's going to come down with it, just like he did against Michigan. Right. And, you know, so, you know, let these kids go out and make plays for you. Yeah. And, I do think there's a part of like a chemistry he had with JSN last year that, you know, they, they really could cook in the RPO game. Like they could, they, they I mean, he just That's like, fair. it's fair point. And I, I don't think he's found that yet with anyone else. But like I said earlier, like to bring this back to where we were, you know, 30 minutes ago or whatever it was like, pull the frigging bandaid off, man. You got to figure out what you can do and you just do it. Like yeah. you don't have Jackson Smith and Jigba. You haven't. So don't try to run his offense. Run what you can with the guys you have. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. You want to hit anything else tonight? Or are we going to get on? I do. We're like an hour, 20 minutes. in. I think we've been angry enough today. So <laughs> there's anger. There's happy. There's a little bit of everything in this episode. So I think it's a good time to get on out. I'm glad they made the playoffs. You yes. Know, yeah. I was, it's, it's much better than any alternative. I mean, as like, much as I, I like not, seeing young guys, I don't want to see a scrimmage in Miami. Yeah. I, I don't want to play Clemson in Miami. You know, I wanted to play, you know, I always, I've been saying when I thought we were going to a bowl game, I'm like, I don't care about this conference affiliation crap, you know, put us in the sugar bowl against Alabama. I'll give them the sugar bowl. I beat them in before. Yeah. I'm sure. So let's let's go play them in Alabama and uh, New Orleans, and let's have at least a fun game. Even though probably half both teams are going to be either in the transfer <laughs> portal or sitting out. So like, yeah. Well, I, and you know maybe we'll be talking next week when uh, a team has to forfeit because they have too many guys in the transfer portal. Because I mean, 
some of these teams here by god oh my you know what some (laughs) i don't think i don't know if it was yesterday it must have been yesterday because i feel like it was like a definite thing some guy on twitter was like saying how jsn and cj stroud both probably weren't going to play in this game i'm like jsn's injured yes i'm like if cj stroud doesn't play in a national semifinal where his team's still alive for a national title then i'm really going to have to start believing when people say the culture is ruined over there because there's definitely something screwed up if cj's sitting out for the draft i mean at that point i mean we would just be sucking up that we are gluttons for punishment and this would become brown's bar talk like <laughs> i <laughs> you've got to paint the wall behind you yeah have to be brownie corner I mean, like, up there like, these guys are just uh, if these guys aren't going to play in semifinals i'm just going to watch the pros from here on out like, yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely but i i'm good to get out of here we we've hit on a lot tonight so yeah you good Big data dump tonight but uh <laughs> i guess we weren't we weren't expected to be talking as much about the playoffs and I was not expecting over a thousand kids to go into the transfer portal today. Oh my gosh. That's ridiculous. So yeah. Uh, well, righty. Best so. of luck to Kevin Wilson. I think he'll coach the bowl game. Um, but yeah, thank you everyone for stopping out tonight to the Buckeye bar. I'm John. I'm Mike. Oh, H. I owe.